Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Nancy Sarnoff, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle. And today on the show, my guest is Rebecca Schutz. Rebecca recently joined the Chronicle's real estate team, and we're going to talk about her recent reporting on one of the real estate-related issues that came out of Hurricane Harvey that hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention, FEMA trailers. Rebecca found that there are nearly 1,800 households in East Texas still living in FEMA trailers more than a year after the hurricane hit. And now they're at risk of losing their temporary shelters. Rebecca, welcome to Looped In. Hi. Hi. So, Rebecca, tell me what tipped you off to this story. How did you find out this was going on? I recently moved to Houston. I'm new. I heard that one of the local churches was doing outreach to Harvey victims. They had been doing a survey about where there was still need. So I spoke with them, and they said that there was actually a number of people they had surveyed who would be open to talking to a reporter. They had indicated that. I gave a few of them a call, and one of them was Renee. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was just like, what what are the issues that—are you still experiencing issues? And she said yes, um, because she was— Living in a FEMA trailer, mm-hmm. um, after Hurricane Harvey, people, many people got put up in hotels or other temporary places. She got put in a motel. Mm-hmm. And then after that, um, FEMA supplied trailers to some people who still weren't able to find permanent housing. She was one of them. The program is actually set to expire in February. So she said she had gotten that notice and she didn't know what she was going to do. And um, I was curious how common this was. And she was like, well, you should come down to my neighborhood because she was like, every house in my neighborhood has a trailer out front in the front yard. Where does she live? Um, She lives in Silsby, Texas, which is a pretty rural area outside of Beaumont. Okay. So I took her up on that and I went out there. And I also contacted FEMA to hear about, is the program ending? Um, How many people are in trailers? So they gave me a county-by-county breakdown and all together, at that point, there were almost like shortly before the article published, I touched back with them again. And the number was about 1,800 households were still living in. FEMA supplied trailers, and they also had like recreational vehicles. Hmm. Okay. So you went out to Renee's neighborhood in Silsby. Yeah. And what did it, what did it look like? I mean, it was very rural. Um, I remember she was like, let's meet at the McDonald's. And I was like, is there only one McDonald's? And she just laughed. <laughs> uh, there's there's only one McDonald's. And uh, we met there and drove around. She took us on a, me and the photographer on a tour, you know, to the point where the water had risen, sort of drove us around and showed us like the water lines on the houses that had um, trailers in front. So it really was, um, the houses were sort of far apart because it was a more rural area, mm-hmm. but you could see, you know, houses where the damage on the house was visible, and then um, there, you know, there'd just be a manufactured home sitting in the front yard, and yeah, some of them were supplied by FEMA, some of them were supplied by nonprofits mm-hmm. um, such as Samaritan's Purse, mm-hmm. 
And uh, some of them people just bought themselves because they couldn't, you know, they needed some place to live. Mm-hmm. And so that that must have been really interesting for you because you weren't here during Hurricane no, Harvey, right? I wasn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. you you joined the Chronicle after, so you obviously watched the hurricane on television yeah. from Connecticut, where you were yeah. last reporting, mm-hmm. and th- this must have been a a strange and eye-opening experience for you to to be covering it more than a year after the anniversary or after the year anniversary. I knew the consequences would be continuing. I grew up in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. I was in high school when Hurricane Katrina happened, and I remember there are people who came to my high school who were um, displaced, you know. Yeah. And, you know, like it's just the consequences are vast and long-term. Right. Yeah. So I knew there'd be something, but— it was definitely different because I do remember um, in Connecticut when Hurricane Harvey happened, you know, we were reporting on it in our own way about the people from Connecticut who were, like, flying down, um, mm-hmm. you know, all the different tribes. But it was definitely, you know, kind of crazy seeing it firsthand, um, seeing the things that are still broken. And also it's just, like, the structures that had floated around and they'd be like, oh, this was on the other side of the pond before and it just floated across and settled here. And, you know, that was... Uh, just wild to me, you know, like the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> what was it? Like, um, what did you see that moved from one side of the pond to the other? <laughs> well, um, one thing that was still there was uh, was a shed that had picked up, floated all the way across this field, and then landed upside down on its roof. Oh, wow. So, um, you know, it still had a door. It still, you know, I was looking inside, and there's a light switch, and I was like, oh, they installed the light switch upside down. And then I was like, no, the light switch looks the same <laughs> upside down or right side. You know, it was just so disorienting to see people who are living in Silsby showed me pictures of, like, you know, a pavilion that had floated away. And mm-hmm. just, like, you know, structures that had moved. Mm-hmm. And that was, um, I don't know, that really struck me. Yeah. And so I assume Renee and probably a lot of her neighbors did not have flood insurance. Is that no. Um, Safe to say. Yeah, it's pretty far inland, but it was between two creeks. Okay. And so what was the trailer like? Did you go inside her trailer? Did you see what her living conditions are like now? It was pretty nice. We didn't go inside because she had left her key. <laughs> um, so we just saw the outside, but she was like, she was saying that if she could buy it, she would. Huh. And is that an option, do you think? It is not an option right no. now. So has sh- she's been informed, I guess, that she has until February to live there, right? Yes. And she has plans to rebuild, I believe, in March, but they aren't sure, you know, how long it will take. There's a group of volunteers coming down from Chicago mm-hmm. with, like, construction experience. And then there's a number of volunteers just volunteering their labor and time, even though they don't have the necessary know-how to so the team from Chicago, um, who was brought down here by iConnect, a nonprofit in Conroe. They're going to help her rebuild her house, which she, she actually, the house she got flooded out of, she built herself, um, which I thought was wow touching and sad, you know, like uh, she had sawn all the pieces of wood by hand and constructed it, and she knew that house very, very well. Um, so it was very sad for her to see it destroyed. And so w- what does she do for a living? 
Uh, she is now on disability. Okay. Yeah. And does she have a She's family? She's 63. Okay. Her brother lives nearby. His house was also flooded. He's living... He didn't qualify for a FEMA trailer, but he ended up getting a trailer through a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. So he's also living in a trailer um, permanently. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so what did FEMA say when you talked to the people there? They told me, you know, how many people were still in trailers. I guess the story I sort of got was FEMA was like, oh, it's up to, you know, whether or not it gets extended is up to the GLO. Um, the general land office. And when I spoke to the general land office, they were like, we have requested, you know, an extension, but we haven't heard back yet. So it seems sort of like um, it's really a question of whether or not there will be an extension. Mm -hmm. And the GLO has asked for an extension until November. So just think about that. That'd be um, over two years. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, wow, you know, that, that's kind of crazy to think about in and of itself. There's a lot of different agencies sort of working together. It's led to like a huge lack of clarity that people are upset about. You know, mm -hmm. they don't know whether or not they'll have a place to stay. Mm. Last I checked, they still don't have that clarity, but I can send them an email and ask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, I, I, it was great that you covered this story because obviously there are stories like this going on all over, all over the state, I, I would assume. Um, do you, do you plan to to visit any other communities from the the list that you got of where these trailers are? Well, one thing that's like been floating in my mind that I have not done yet is um, what's going on with the FEMA trailers. But there's also what's going on with trailers people are buying, and you know, like the FEMA trailers. The idea is hopefully they'll get into permanent housing and they'll no longer need them. But it does seem like people like Renee's brother. You know, I, I'm just interested in how that might shape neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. The census compiles statistics on how many manufactured housing units, uh, which includes trailers, um, are sold to different states every month. And there was a big, a huge increase after Harvey. And I am interested to know where those went and what's happening. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess the answer is maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Probably. <laughs> so, Rebecca, why do you think it has taken this long? Mm. Why, why does someone need to be in a trailer for two years? Yeah. Two years? I'm hoping the rationale behind that is that everyone will be definitely out by that deadline. I mean, I think it would be pretty tragic to not be um, – but when I was talking to people, um, one thing that came up again and again in these rural areas is just that um, on top of the cost of repairing your home, you have the cost of repairing all of the infrastructure for your home. Mm. So, uh, you know, something that most homeowners in Houston didn't have to worry about was repairing sewage and repairing water and getting, like, water into their houses again and getting, you know, like, all these different utilities. Right, right. Whereas... In Hardin County, where Silsby is, a lot of people had to repair or replace their well systems. Mm -hmm. um, I talked to someone who installs wells in Hardin County, and he said, yeah, there's a huge spike basically when this contaminated water that, you know, was filled with sewage and other chemicals got into people's well systems. What he had to do was he had to uh, replace the parts that had been contaminated, so the holding tank, I think it's called, and the pump itself. 
and then um, just chlorinate the well heavily and run it a little bit. And that that costs money. And there's also like a huge uh, spike in demand for those services when there's not a lot of people providing them, which corresponded with probably a spike in costs. That takes a huge chunk out of the money that would go towards repairing your house, Mm. is making sure you have running water and working sewage or anaerobic treatment system. Wow. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's definitely something that most people probably wouldn't immediately think that would need to be repaired along with along with this the structure. Yeah. And then there's also just a it just takes time to build a system for aid to be dispersed. So in some places if you already had sort of a disaster recovery group in place because of a previous disaster, you can get on the ground and working very quickly. In Harding County, what they did at first, because there's no um, disaster recovery group with a nonprofit to accept aid and disperse it, they had churches take on that role. Mm -hmm. Um, So it took a while to get a nonprofit that could disperse aid. And then there's a case management system, a lot of even like government aid and just like nonprofit aid, other forms of aid. You want to make sure that aid is going to someone who is indeed impacted by a disaster. So the case managers... um, sort of verify that you did live here, you were impacted, you're sort of like cleared to receive aid, and then they start trying to connect you with aid. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Hardin County, that case management system, um, also case managers love to hire locally. They pride themselves in that mm-hmm. because local people understand local issues. But in Hardin County, it was hard to even recruit local case managers because it's a pretty, um, I want to say dispersed population, uh, not sure if that's the right word. Um, it took until April for that to get started, according to Michelle Brewer, who's leading um, the disaster recovery for that county. Mm-hmm. And um, she said because of staff times, it could take up to a month for people to receive a call back. So there's a little bit of a backlog there. Yeah. So I'll infrastructure say. and just connecting people with aid, I think, were the two things. Mm, well, I hope you'll come back and tell us about what has happened since and if they've decided to extend the the program for some of these people and update listeners on the story. Okay. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Listeners, thank you too. Please subscribe to Looped In on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And as always, let us know what you think about the show by rating us, or writing a review. If you have an idea or just want to say hi, you can reach out to me. I am on Facebook and Twitter. I am at N. Sarnoff. Until next time, thanks for listening.